Good afternoon and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to live from your true self through all of life's twists and turns. And you'll be challenged to lean into the mysteries of life to find your own deepest wisdom. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews. Good afternoon and welcome to the Authentic Living Show. You know, we hear just let it go all the time. But the problem is that we just can't seem to do that. We can't let it go. It has hold of us. It controls us. But we think that we have to control it. Letting go then turns out to be one of the hardest things we ever do. Surrender sounds like waving a white flag and letting the it take over. Won't it all just fall apart? Our plans, our dreams, our relationships. Won't they all just fall apart if we don't stay in control? But all the wise masters tell us that letting go is the key to life, the key to peace, the key to all wisdom and all love. How can we find our true power by letting go of all power? How can we let it go? This show is going to explore the letting go process as an evolutionary stage of existence. So don't miss it. So I had a dream not long ago. And in the dream, a, a disembodied voice spoke to me and it said, isn't it time to generously let go now? And I have been in the process of really generously trying to learn to let go ever since I had that dream. And I want to talk to you about it. I don't think that I have got all the answers about letting it, letting go, letting it go. So I want to make sure that I convey that, that I'm not some expert on letting it go. I don't profess to be an expert on anything, actually. I, I, I am in a process of humanity just like the rest of you are. So we're all just in the process learning together. But I can share with you some of the things that I'm in the process of beginning to understand. And um, maybe that will help us all grow together. So I understand, first of all, that letting go is one of the most difficult things we do. And that's because we have within us a resistance to letting go. I don't know about you, but I got taught not to let go. I got taught that holding on was how I survived. I got taught that being in, in control, not in control of other people, but in control of, of my own life, making my own choices, making my own decisions, that was my empowerment. And we hear that a lot. This is the empowerment channel that you're listening to. So we hear a lot that taking charge of your life is how you have empowerment. But there's another kind of power deep down inside of us that comes from something deeper from than, than our own ego attachments to, to uh, asserting ourselves. I think assertion, uh, self-assertion is more about self-assertion with a capital S than it is about self-assertion with a small s. I think that self-assertion has to do with asserting my authentic self. It has to do with asserting my soul, my spirit, my deepest essence, by just saying, this is me, just being me. And there's a kind of letting go that happens with that because I'm not, letting, I'm not holding on to what other people think I ought to be thinking or feeling or doing. I'm not holding on to what other people want from me. I'm just saying what's true inside my deepest soul. I'm just doing what's true inside my deepest soul. So there's a letting go that happens with that. Um, that's not about holding on to some image of who we ought to be, some idea about, about uh, uh, an ideal about who we ought to be, or some, some 
idea about what others think of what we ought to be. A lot of our ideas about who we think we are come from what other people think we ought to be. So we try to live into that, and we identify with what we're trying to live into, and then we go around saying we are doing that. We, whether we actually are or not, we may be, but we may also not be actually doing it, and other people might be looking at us, scratching their heads, going, what are they talking about? Uh, but we, we do have the capacity to, to pretend an existence. We have the capacity to put on a mask and costume, wear it around as if it's the whole of who we are, and, and we believe that it is. But it's because we've never challenged it. We've never asked if it's who we are, if our feelings, our deepest desires match that mask and costume. We've never asked those questions because we haven't had time. We've been too busy trying to survive with the mask and costume. So letting go, one of the main things that letting go means is letting go of that mask and costume. And that's a long process. It happens over a long period of time. It does not happen overnight. You can't just decide one day, I'm not going to wear this mask and costume anymore and take it off. We have a natural resistance to taking off that mask and costume. And the reason we have that resistance is because we believe that the mask and costume, we really have been taught to believe that the mask and costume is our survival, and without it, we'll literally die. We don't know who we are without it, and so we hold on to it. And so it has a life of its own, and it takes on the resistance power, and it, it we will have to work with that energy for a while before we can really begin the pro- to, 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 to feel like we have let go some of that mask and costume. But letting go will change our behaviors. Will, we will begin to start saying, I'm going to start doing what's real inside of me instead of what that mask and costume tells me to do. And so there's a letting go that happens with that. Um, but also that it's important to realize that we have, we have the ability to connect to the divine, the universe, God, Allah, uh, the energy of the Buddha, whatever you want to call it. Uh, it is a, a, an intelligence, a universal intelligence that, uh, that, that is real, that has uh, unique power in this world and is constant in our lives because it, we are one with it and it is one with us. And we are one with each other as well and we are one with all nature. We are one with all things. We are one with everything. We are connected deeply uh, with everything and everyone on this planet and in the universe. And so recognizing that is a part of the letting go process, just beginning to recognize that, that there is a universal intelligence and that we are one with it is huge. Why is that? Well, it's because we've been taught, all of us have been taught that Duality is the truth of our existence, that we're separate from everybody and everything else, that we're little individual little uh, people, and that we are not connected at all to the divine. And that's why, that's the formulation of some religions. Some religions are formulated on the idea that there's a way to reconnect to the divine. And if we do that thing, whatever that is in that religion, then we'll be reconnected to the divine. But if we don't do that thing, then we're not reconnected to the divine. So, um, so, but basically we are separate. 
and we can and we can there is are some pathways given to us through certain religions that tell us that maybe we can at least have some semblance of a connection with the divine. But what I'm suggesting is more profound than that. What I'm suggesting is that we are literally one with the divine. Um, even in the Christian religion where separation is a strong motif, uh, Jesus tells us, does, doesn't your scriptures say that you are God's? He's telling, he's talking to us about who we are. And, uh, and he's reminding, actually the scribes and Pharisees who were surrounding him at the time, he's reminding them that we are gods. We are gods because we are one with God. We're not gods because we're superhumans. We're not gods because we're all righteous. We're not gods because we, you know, can lord that over other people. We're gods because we're one with the divine. We have not lost our divine spark. We have not lost that, that capacity within us. And so letting go also means that the beginning of that process of recognizing that power that we have to reconnect to the divine. And one of the best ways that I know of to reconnect to the divine is through meditation. Meditation allows us to just sit there's no expectation. There's no nothing in particular that we ought to be doing. Some people do uh, uh, guided meditations. Some people just sit, sit. Some people just um, breathe, pay attention to their breathing. Whatever it is, there's a kind of letting go that happens with it because we we're not doing, doing, doing in the process. We're not thinking we ought, our thoughts we ought to think. We're not pushing ourselves to do something. We're just being in that moment. We're just sitting and being. Some people use mantras uh, to focus on. The focus allows us to just let go of everything else. The focus on breathing, for example, allows us to let go of everything else. And um, that that, so I'm, I'm just focused on my breathing, and that's all I'm doing right now is just breathing. When life is, is shook down to that very basic core component, there's a letting go that goes with it. There's a letting go that says, I don't have to pay attention to what I have to do later today. I don't have to worry about all the tasks that are out there in the future yet for me to take care of. I don't have to think about you know, what happened yesterday. I don't have to think about my relationships or my money or my time or my job. I don't have to think about any of those things. I'm just focused on my breathing. So there's a letting go that happens with that. And just the very fact of focusing on your breathing is the letting go process. Uh, there, and so allowing yourself to focus and be, that, uh, be still in that way allows the divine the opportunity to show itself to us. And so we are then allowed into some kind of peace. We open up doors within ourselves that, are, that reconnect us to, to the mind and the, and the heart, to that deeper soul self that is our deep spirit, that is the divine within us. And so we are allowed to, uh, to that reconnection allows us to feel uh, great peace at times. Sometimes it's just a small peace, but sometimes it's a great peace. Um, there, people describe all kinds of different, different um, 
kinds of things that happen to them during meditation. I've had experiences where um, my what I call the sixth chakra, the third eye, begins to buzz and buzz and buzz, and it just does that for a lengthy period of time, and I am awakened to new insights after that. I understand things differently. I see things differently after that. Um, I've also had periods of time when I was meditating where my whole body seemed as if I couldn't move it, but it wasn't a scary feeling. It wasn't a paralysis of any kind. It was a kind of just so peaceful that I couldn't move out of it. My body felt so still, so quiet, and so peaceful that I couldn't move out of it, and I didn't want to move out of it. And uh, and so I've had those experiences. I've had experiences where I could not find peace, but I was willing to just continue to focus on my breathing. I've, I've had experiences where uh, my mind just kind of settled into a, a deep place where I just... Um, relaxed so much that I, get, I, got, I felt like I was getting information from the universe. Uh, uh, so I've meditated for many years, and some would say that those meditations where I did not experience anything or did not experience peace were unsuccessful meditations, but I don't think so. I think that I was sitting and I was letting go, and I think that means it was successful. Um, uh, that is the process. I'm to let go. That's that's it. I'm just to let go. So the 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 opposite of letting go is holding on. And we do that by degrees. We we sometimes we hold on really tight. Sometimes we hold on rather loosely. Sometimes we're we're uncertain of what to hold on to and what to let go of. Sometimes we are uh, uh, just left sort of dangling in the air. Um, and that's not a comfortable feeling, and it doesn't feel like letting go. It just feels like we're just completely uncertain and ungrounded and frightened. Um, so fear can be very useful to us. It can give us information about what's going on in the psyche. It can also give us information about some of the things that might be going on in our lives. But it also says that you have to take charge of this. You have to get in control. You have to, you have to figure this out. And letting go says, I know that I'm going to find, come to a solution to this, but I'm not going to have to go, you know, digging around in the ground for it. I'm not going to have to strive after it. Um, one of my favorite uh, verses from the Christian Bible, and the Jewish Tanakh as well, it's, it's both Jewish and Christian, is, um, is the one that says, Be still and know that I'm God, from Psalms 4610, I believe. Uh, that's it's it says be still and that's letting go it's just just be still don't try to grasp after something don't try to go searching for something don't strive after anything another way of saying that be still was cease striving to know that i'm god so that's what happens when we meditate we we, we be still we cease striving and suddenly we know new things sometimes. Um, so, so the letting go process means recognizing, a recognition that there, are, there is a power that is a great universal intelligence that we can surrender to, um, that we can uh, allow ourselves to surrender to. And I don't care what you call that power. It doesn't matter to me what you call that power. What matters is that 
you are able to let go and be able to, to, to recognize that we don't have to strive. We don't have to worry ourselves into, into life. We don't have to fear ourselves into life. We can just be still and know. And that knowing is, is a kind of understanding. It just comes to us as a result of being still. So because we are still, because we see striving, we come to know. And, uh, and whether you're a Christian or a Jewish person, that verse resonates around the globe with a great power. Um, there's verses in, in um, the Bhagavad Gita, the Bhagavad Gita, the, uh, the, there's verses in uh, the Buddhist sutras, the Hindu sutras that talk about the letting go, the surrender to the divine self, what they call the divine self. They're, these are powerful uh, persuasions in all the sacred texts around the world. Um, I just picked that one out because it's one I'm very familiar with and it, it's very powerful. So uh, so letting go is, is a kind of surrender, but it's not, it's not just thy will be done. It's more like I'm just going to sit here and see what's inside me. And as I see what's inside me, I, it is revealed to me what is true and what is not true. Um, so I don't have to, I have to, I don't have to turn myself over to some power I don't understand, um, some dark power sometimes that might be angry, might be, might be harmful to me. I don't have to do that. I just sit still, and because I'm sitting still, I come to know, and that knowing is what gives me peace. I have a peace because some new knowledge comes into my mind because I know something different now than I knew before I started. Or maybe I know the same thing I knew last time I meditated. That I am loved, that there's an intelligence that's taking care of things, and that I don't have to worry. I don't have to worry. I don't have to worry. And I will tell you that I have to convince myself of that sometimes, that I don't have to worry. That's one of the things that I work on is, is, is making sure that I know that I don't have to worry. Okay, so we've talked a little bit about the beginning process of letting go. So let's take a break now, and we'll come back in just a few minutes to talk some more about the letting go process. your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com When you learn to see things from a spiritual perspective, it changes the way you see virtually everything in your life. Listen for Dr. Paula Joyce and her program, Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. Our program will help you get rid of the negative aspects of your life and invite love, joy, and prosperity into your life. Turn that negative feeling into a positive one. Tune in to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit, every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. 
We experience all sorts of changes as we move through life, marriage, raising children, moving up the corporate ladder, and saving for retirement. To maneuver smoothly through these changes, tune in to Practical Solutions for Life with host Catherine Wilking. Through engaging guests, fun topics, and feng shui solutions, you will learn how to take charge and move from chaos to prosperity. Be sure to listen live every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on The Voice of America Empowerment Channel. Life can be confusing at times. There can be uncertainty, disappointment, and an inability to clearly see where you're headed. But it doesn't have to be this way at all if you understand how to take the next step in your life. Tune in to Living the Miracle with your hosts, Michael and Raphael Tamora. We'll help you to find the deeper meaning that awaits you in your life, have certainty in yourself, and learn to be clairvoyant. Listen Wednesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now toll free. 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at AndreaMatthews.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back talking today about the letting go process, what it means, how it works, and what we can gain from it. But before we talk any further about that, I want to tell you about the upcoming Super Soul Sunday that's coming June the 9th at 11 a.m. Eastern and Pacific on the OWN station. International best-selling author of the phenomenon Eat, Pray, Love, Elizabeth Gilbert, is coming back to the Super Soul Sunday this week to discuss her latest novel, City of Girls. It's a novel, and it will be very interesting to hear her talk about it. But also, in a candid and emotional conversation, Elizabeth also shares an update on her personal life, sharing how she finds peace and healing after the death of her best friend and partner, Raya Elias. Here's a clip from that show. When you look back on your own life at 19 and the girl that you were, what would you say to her now? Nothing she would have listened to or or respected or obeyed. So I could tell her all kinds of things, but she's still going to go off and do exactly Exactly. what she was going to go do. You know, like when I look back at her face, I see someone who is committed to the path that she was on and had to be because it took me to where I am now. Mm -hmm. But, you know, they say that every novel is a memoir. And every memoir is a novel. Yes. That if you really want to know what somebody's like, read the novels that yes. they write. I, I uh, that's I, my memoir. I, I, thought, I thought I was talking. <laughs> yeah, I knew that was you. Of course. I didn't, I didn't have to do any research to describe what it's like to be a young, fast girl. Yes. Because that's what I was. And, yeah, there was no stopping me. You know? Yeah. I, I wanted to experience everything, Oprah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I did pay consequences for it. But I also kind of get why I was like that. That sounds like it's going to be a great show, so don't miss it. This coming Sunday, June the 9th at 11 Eastern and Pacific on OWN. All right, so let's talk a little bit more about letting go. As uh, Elizabeth Gilbert is going to be talking about the grief process uh, of letting go of her best friend and partner, Raya Elias, we can also talk about the grief process here. Uh, The grief process is an elongated letting go process. 
And as Kubler-Ross taught us, as she wrote in her book, Death and Dying, uh, the, the process has five stages. The first stage is denial. The second is anger. The third is uh, what I call sorrow. She called depression. I think that we decide whether it's going to be depression or not by how we handle the other stages. And uh, so I, call, I say denial, anger, sorrow, bargaining, and then finally acceptance. And I see this process happening a lot with a lot of different things in life where uh, a person has, for example, difficult parents, maybe parents that don't even know how to parent. And what do you do with that? As you grow up, you, you have to survive. And at some point, you have to let go of the idea that you're going to finally have the parents you always wanted. And I see people get stuck in bargaining for years and years about that very issue. And we can talk some more about that in a minute. But let's, let's look at it from the perspective of death. You lose someone that you love. I don't want to do that. I don't think anybody wants to do that. We love these people. We want them to stay in our lives. So the first stage is going to be denial. We're going to look at that and we're going to say, I do not believe that really happened. It's not real. And so people who have lost someone to death wake up in the morning and think that that person is still with them in the bed. Or they go into the kitchen and see that person in the kitchen with them. and they, Or they... Or they uh, just have a really hard time believing that it's real. It feels very surreal to them. And they can't really let their body and their mind accept that it's just, it's a real thing. It really did happen. And that's an important part of the process because it gives us time to just allow ourselves to relax into the idea that, yes, this is real. And so we need this spirit of denial. So I don't fuss at people or... Blame people or criticize people for being in denial. It's an important elemental stage of letting go. And so denial says, I'm not sure it's really happening. And then anger, now now I should say that these stages don't happen in any specific order. They don't go one, two, three, four, five. Uh, they happen in a rather chaotic order. So anger can come at any point, but anger does come at some point sometimes. And the anger says, I'm so mad that it's happening. I've seen people get mad at God for having lost a loved one. And just, I've even seen people say, I refuse to grieve because I'm just mad at God. Because God is not, has not, uh, not supposed to have let this happen to me. And that's because we have a vision in our heads of how life is supposed to be. You know, I have a little sign in my office that says that the, the thing that screws us up the most in life is the image in our head of how it's supposed to be. And I think that's really true that, that we have this idea about how it's supposed to go, and that's not letting go, that's holding on. It's supposed to go this way, and it didn't go this way, and so I'm really, really angry. And so that anger, once it bubbles up and it's allowed enough room to express and allowed enough room to express and allowed enough room to express, what begins to happen is we, it begins to dissolve a little bit, and we begin to let go a little more. But we have to have some of that anger sometimes in order to allow ourselves to let go. So if you're in the angry stage, Okay, be angry. Let your voice be heard by you. Let your anger come forth and, and express its woundedness. Uh, and, and hear its voice. Hear what it has to say. Sometimes it, it'll say things that are really false. But that's okay. Those things are in your head, and they need to come out so you can see them. 
And so then there's then there's the sorrow stage. And sorrow is the place where we really cry. We we really are so sad that it's happened. Now it's gone. We've gone from saying it didn't happen to saying I'm so mad it happened to now saying I'm so sad it happened. Sorrow is an amazing amazing thing once we allow ourselves and this is the letting go we have to allow it to its its process within us we have to allow ourselves to go ahead and cry we have to allow ourselves to go ahead and and be present with our sorrow and allow it to express and say what it needs to say and feel what it needs to feel and once we've done that though once we've really done that things have changed i say that sorrow is like a river that runs through a a landscape and changes the landscape. You know, they talk about how the Mississippi River changes the banks along the river, the river, you know, and by a certain amount of footage every year. And that's how this is. Things change in the landscape along the river once the river has run through it. And uh, so I believe that's what sorrow's like. It changes us at a deep core level. We're different after that. And I would say in most cases, we're more surrendered after that. Sorrow kind of says, okay, I can't control life. This was real. I'm really, really sad about it, but this was really real, and I'm not in charge. And that, that creates some sadness for us, but it also creates, gets us ultimately to the acceptance stage, which we'll talk about in a minute. Bargaining, on the other hand, I don't think bargaining comes after sorrow. I think bargaining comes be- somewhere between denial, anger, and sorrow. Bargaining can keep us stuck. Bargaining says, I'll make it stop happening. It's, not, it's, it's a little bit like denial in the sense that it's, we just don't want to accept that it's real. But it's also a little bit like anger in that we say, I'm going to make it stop happening, by golly. It's a little bit like sorrow in that it says, I don't want it to be happening, so I've got to do something to make it stop. Bargaining is kind of an ultimate, I will hold on to this, I will control this kind of thing. But we have to do it. It's a part of the process. We have to go through a period where we're trying to get control of it again before we can realize that we can't control it. And that's what's happening with bargaining. Bargaining says, if I do this, then this will happen. If I do that, then that will happen. If you do this, then this will happen. If you do that, then that will happen. There's an if and a then with bargaining. If I can just push the right button or say the right words or think the right thoughts, then then it will be different. Things will be better. Uh, bargaining about a death often says where people before the death will say, well, I'll, I'll be really kind to my wife whom I've been cruel to if you'll just let me live through this. Or, or it might say after a death, it might say, you know, if I'm, if I'm really uh, good or really kind, maybe this won't be real. So it's a lot of magical thinking that goes with bargaining. I've seen people stay in marriages that were bad with bargaining. You know, if I can just say the right word, then maybe he'll stop drinking. If I can just uh, um, say the right words or be kind enough or be quiet enough, maybe then he'll stop beating me. Those are extreme examples, but they get the point across that there's an if and a then, and we're bargaining with it. So it's a reality we we want to control. And bargaining says, I can control it. So, But we have to go through these stages in order to get to where we can accept that we're just, we, we've beat ourselves against this wall, and the wall is still a wall. It's still the reality of our lives, and we can't change it. 
So then we get to acceptance. And acceptance is the real letting go process. Acceptance is where we say, okay, I get it. This is real. I'm not in control. But I can, I can be okay with this. It'll be all right. And if we have a faith to go with that, and by that I mean a faith in any way you look at the divine, whether it's through Judaism, Islam, Hinduism, Buddhism, Jainism, Christianity, any of the faiths around the world, um, Wiccan, whatever it is for you, uh, I, I would say if you have some kind of faith in that, then when you get to the acceptance process or the grief process, it's I can let this be what it is because I can trust the divine that it's, it, there's, a, there's a gift in it for me. And I think that's one of the most important things that we can get out of the letting go process is if we learn to look for the gift in, in the things that seem to be obstacles in our lives. If we learn to look for the gift, then we, can, then we can just kind of settle into, oh, okay, there's something here for me, and I, I know it's here for me. I'm going to find it. It'll be a while maybe before I find it, but I know it's here, and I'm waiting to discover it. It's a part of my process in life. I think one of the most beautiful aspects of letting go is in this whole thing of trusting that the psyche is always leaning toward wholeness. And by psyche, I mean soul. By soul, I mean spirit. By spirit, I mean authentic self. Those are interchangeable, synonymous terms that mean all the same thing to me. I don't know what they mean to you, but they mean all the same thing to me. So when I use those terms, spirit or soul or authentic self, I'm talking about the exact same thing, the deepest essence of who we are. So so when we talk about the, the psyche is always leaning toward wholeness, what I mean is that the divine within us, the authentic self, the spirit of who I am, is always pushing me toward wholeness. Always. It may take many lifetimes for me to get to wholeness, but there's always a push toward that coming from within me. We think that when we zig and zag on a path, that we're take, making mistakes. But there's a gift in every one of those mistakes if we will look for it. And that is the, that is the psyche always pushing us toward wholeness. That wholeness is intended to get us to a place of true healing, a place where we really do understand ourselves and, and uh, know ourselves deeply and can trust the deepest self to carry us, um, where we, are let, we are, have let go enough to be in an acceptance mode most of the time. Um, so wholeness is a, is a place where self is what we are. I am, I am the authentic self. I'm not a mask and costume. I have integrated that mask and costume so I can use its energies, but I don't have to perform as if it has, it has survival attached to it. So, for example, if I played the superwoman role, which I did in my earlier life, if I played the superwoman role in my life, then I can, I can begin to uh, take care of myself better, make decisions that love me, make decisions that nurture me, make decisions that allow me to be vulnerable to other people, make decisions that, that allow me to take really good care of myself as I take, take a job or do a project or involve myself in another book that I'm writing or whatever. 
I need to do that by taking care of myself. So I'm deciding to take care of myself, but I'm using the energy that Superwoman had to do that. Superwoman is a very strong energy, so I'm using my natural strength to to perform these, make these decisions to to do uh, what I need to do uh, for myself, to take really good care of myself in the process of living my life according to my deepest essential core. So that would be a way that we begin to use the energy of the mask and costume, integrating it by by and and uh, allowing it to become a part of our wholeness. Wholeness means that we have arrived to some degree or another at acceptance. It means that we have arrived at an ability to let go, to let go and let ourselves be. Instead of trying to force ourselves to be something we're not in order to please a group ethic, a social more, uh, a moral, an agenda, a survival need, all those things that we have thought that we had to take care of because we live in a separate, rarefied place, separate entirely from the divine and from other people. We have to figure life out. We have to be on top of it. We hear these terms as we talk about the word empowerment, and we, we therefore we get some misunderstanding about what it means. But empowerment actually means getting in touch with and staying in touch with that deepest self, that deepest soul, that deepest spirit because that is the letting go process. I'm, in, I'm empowered by my deepest, sometimes hidden power by letting go, by allowing myself to let go and, and be present with what actually is in my life. So, uh, so the letting go process, we say that it's uh, the key to life. It's the key to, to um, living a life that's not filled with falsehood. Uh, it's the key to being in, in touch with that deepest, truest authenticity inside of us, uh, and which is our power. It is our own authentic power. It's not power over other people. It's not power to go get a, a good job. It's not power to succeed. It's not, I've got 10 goals for the next five years. It's not all that stuff we hear out there. It's getting in touch with the stillness inside of us so that we can just sit in silence with that and be aware of who we are. And we can choose that any time of any day. We can choose to say, I choose to get in touch again with my deepest power. I choose to allow myself to, to recognize my deepest power. And that recognition is the process of letting go. So generously letting go, as my dream suggested that I do, is, is, is that, is learning to let go of everything, to not hold on to anything. One of the things the Buddhists say is that attachment is the cause of all suffering. And there's a truth to that, in that if we hold on, we're holding on, we're struggling, we're striving to make sure that we don't ever have to let go of anything, we're trying really hard to make sure it all goes our way, then we suffer. Because it's not going to go all our way, and we're not going to know what to do with that when it falls apart. But if we let go, then we understand that we're not in charge, and we don't have to be, but something else bigger and more intelligent and more loving is in charge. And, uh, and so we're going to talk a little bit more about 
that idea of that loving force because we are always being guided by that even when it doesn't feel like we're being guided we're being guided so we'll talk some more about that right after the break stay tuned It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Tune in to The James Dentley Show and learn strategies for success in business and in life. Dr. James Dentley is a proven success coach who knows how to convert good into great. You'll find out from the achievers and leaders how they got to be the success stories that they are. And Dr. Dentley and his guests will give you the tools you need to follow in their footsteps. It's time to become the best version of you. Listen to The James Dentley Show, Fridays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on Voice America Empowerment. If you are looking to deepen your understanding of karma, the law of attraction, metaphysics, mindfulness, and intuition, be sure to tune in each week for You, the Universe, the Holistic Mind with host Katherine Potter. Catherine and her insightful guests will show how everything interconnects, explaining concepts and modalities that connect the mind and body. It's a refreshing look at the universe and the laws that govern it. Listen every Monday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Listen for Mindful Matters, Love, Sex, Spirit, hosted by Dr. Dory Lynn. Dr. Dory is coming back. Sexy, savvy, and with sage advice from nearly eight decades of life experience. It's not retirement, it's refirement. It's fun, it's deep. Listening just makes you feel good. If you're looking for straight talk without all the bull in the world, be sure to tune in to Dr. Dory and Mindful Matters, Love, Sex, Spirit. Live every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Make an appointment listening right now. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now toll-free. 1-888-346-9141 That's 1-888-346-9141 you can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthews.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back talking today about the letting go process as an evolutionary stage of existence. So what is happening as we let go is that we are evolving Every time we let go a little bit more, we're getting closer and closer to our own wholeness. Every time we choose to establish the connection again to the authentic self, to the deepest essence of who we are, to the divine within us, to every time we recognize and realize that oneness that we are, we are evolving. We, are, we continue to evolve throughout every life. Even our mistakes are evolutionary in, their, in the sense that they, they take us to a new understanding of life. So maybe we have to make the same mistake several times in several different lifetimes before we get it. 
But whatever it takes, there is an evolution taking place. My theory, and it is just a theory because I promise you I don't know everything. Um, as a matter of fact, I know very little. Uh, when, when it takes a long time, many lifetimes for somebody to get something, it's because they are intent on learning every aspect of that problem and understanding themselves at a deeper level because of that problem. And they, their, their intention is to really get it. And they're going to come out of that knowing things that other people don't know who've only touched the surface of that problem. So, for example, somebody who's got an addiction, who's had an addiction in one lifetime after another after another, and finally gets recovery, once they get that recovery, they're going to really get it. They're going to get it in a way that perhaps other people don't. And they're going to be perhaps even leaders in that field um, to help other people find recovery also. Because they're going to understand it at a deeper level than other people do. Um, That's my theory. Of course, like I said, I don't know, but that's a theory that I think it makes sense to me. So let that, what that means is that that person is getting whole even while it seems to other people that they're not. So we can't count on what somebody looks like as to whether or not they're actually on the path. I mean, that's what we say. Some people are not on the path and other people are on the path. I think everybody's on the path, the path of evolution. And so this letting go is just a part of that. So we are all on a path of letting go where we're learning, 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 learning how to let go. And, and you know, uh, there's a phrase in AA, NA, and CA that says let go and let God. Well, I say let go, let the universe let go, let, let the Buddha let go, let Jesus let go, let Allah let go. Whatever you call that, let go, let the intelligence of the universe, whatever you call that, if there is a letting go that says that now I have new understanding. I have I can be still and know that I am God. I can be still and know that I am a divine being. I can be still and get in touch with the oneness that I am. I can cease striving and therefore I have let go. And so what happens then is we begin to understand that we're always being guided we're always being guided. There's always an energy that's carrying us through, even when it looks like it's dark, even when it looks like we can't see where we're going. Um, you know, we think we count so much in this life on the physical vision, the, uh, the, the ability to hear and see our, our empirical five senses. We count so much on those that we forget that we've also got other senses that can tell us things that we have a sense of intuition that can tell us things, that we have a sense of discernment that can tell us things, that we have uh, the ability to just feel things in our body that, that some might call instinctive that will, will tell us and give us information. If we're paying attention to the subtle overtures and undertures of our conversations with other people, we begin to understand that there's a whole lot going on in that conversation that's not verbal. It's not just the words we speak. There's a lot more going on there. And so when we surrender, when we let go, we're able to kind of relax into the moment enough to feel those things and see those things without the, the, the physical senses. And so uh, that, that's a way of us getting guidance from the universe, which is us. We are the universe. The universe is us and we are the universe. And so 
the when we get that guidance, we 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 realize it. We see, oh, I'm being guided here. But actually, we were being guided the whole time. We just didn't know it. So, you know, when we think of the the universe or God or the divine as just this moral overlord who is only out to make us be on the right path, then we lose the context. We lose the reality of who that is when we surrender. There's a very different feeling about the divine reported by people who meditate around the globe, regardless of religion. It's not this moral overlord. It's this deep sense of of relaxing, I got you. It's okay. I got you. That sense is not the same as that moral overlord that we tend to look at and, and, and accuse the divine of being. Uh, we've, we've formulated an image of the divine that's not accurate, just like we formulated an image of ourselves that's not accurate. And so we go around judging other people in the same way that we think that that, that image of the divine would judge other people. And we think we're right to do so. And we think that, that that image of the divine is right to do so because we have not really ever surrendered enough to really feel who the divine is. We've never connected really to the divine in an experiential way. We've only learned about the divine. That's what Job said in, that, uh, in the Jewish Tanakh. There's a book uh, called Job. It's also in the Christian Old Testament where... In the end of his journey of suffering, Job says, "I've heard of you by the I've see, seen you by the seeing of the eye. I've heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now I know you differently." And I'm not quoting that exactly, but he's saying, "I understand you now in a way I didn't understand you before. I, I heard about you. I heard, saw about you, but now I know you." That's basically what he's saying, and that's the kind of experience that we can come to have as a result of letting go. That we we, we have come to understand, and we see Job go through this long grief process, and then he encounters the divine. And the divine says, basically, from my perspective, if you'll, if you'll read the book, Inhabiting Heaven Now, you'll see that there's a whole new perspective on the book of Job than what we learn about from traditional teaching. And in that, we learn that Job has learned to get in touch with his feminine side. Uh, that he has that he's had a real masculinized view of of the divine, where in the first view of his divine, the divine was like a hippopotamus who could just squash whatever he wanted to because he could because he was big enough to, and so he could. So why not? So he did. That was his first vision of the divine, and so he comes to understand that that's not the divine at all. There's a whole other view of the divine, and it comes from his feeling nature that he's been able to experience the divine internally as in his feeling nature. And that's the, that's the inner feminine. Um, instead of the externalized view of the divine, now he has an internalized view of the divine. And in the end of the book, what happens is his, Job's daughters are given an inheritance. Not his sons, his daughters. And his daughters are given names. Not his sons, his daughters. So he has a whole bunch of new kids after he's lost all of his kids. That's part of his suffering. And then he has these new kids. And he names the daughters and gives the daughters an inheritance. And the daughters' names are significant too because they have different meanings, metaphorical meanings that have to do with that 
that change that he's made inside his own psyche to understand the feminine aspect. So that's what happens when, uh, when, when we suffer through life. We can learn, like Job learned, that, that the divine is not what we thought. He, she, it was. The divine is, is something we can feel inside of us. It's not something out there that's this moral overlord. It's something inside of us that just basically what it says to most people in most religions around the world is, I got you. I got you. You're okay. And that, that, that feeling is what we get most of the time when we meditate, that everything's okay, that, that the divine has us. And, and so we can know that we're always being guided. We can know that we're always being taken care of, that everything is, is a part of a journey that is divine in its essence. Everything is a part of a way of, of becoming who we are meant to be, which is fully evolved human beings who are authentic in their connection to the divine, in their oneness with the divine. In other words, we're meant to become authentic, be the, the authentic divine beings we are. We've been taught to believe that duality is the truth, that we're separate from the divine, and that we have to struggle and strain and strive and try to become good, nice people in order to earn our right to, go, to, to get some reward after this life is over, whether it's good karma or uh, 72 virgins or uh, heaven. Whatever that is, we have an idea about we're going to get some kind of reward if we're just good enough. But what we're learning here is that we're already good enough. All we need to do is let go. And when we let go, we discover that as we cease striving, we can come to know that we are God. We can come to know that the deepest essence of who we are is divine. And that process is an evolutionary process. It, is allow, it allows us to evolve and evolve and evolve into closer and closer contact with who we are as divine beings. So the self, the authentic self, is the soul. The soul is the spirit. The spirit is the divine essence of who we are. So it, 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 it's informative when we, when we sit and meditate and we just realize what's, what's next, what's there inside of us to, to be seen and heard. When we, we just get information, and that information is an intelligence talking to us about who he, she, or it is. And... Uh, that intelligence is a ripening of our own souls to become more whole, to become more aware of who we are. The universe speaks to us in mysterious ways. We don't always get what we want. We don't always get what we think we're supposed to have. And we don't, we're not in control. We, you know, all these things about having a vision board out there that say, tell us if we just think positive and keep reciting that we're going to have what we want, it's going to happen for us. Well, that's us trying to control the universe. Letting go, on the other hand, says, I'm going to listen for what is the truth, and I'm going to, I'm going to let myself be a part of that truth instead of trying to push to get my way. Um, so there's lots of different ways we try to control the universe. Sometimes we do it through prayer while we're trying to get to the divine to be a Santa Claus and give us what we want. Sometimes we do it through meditation where we're trying to get the body and the mind to be a certain way so that it will conform to one, some image we have of it. Sometimes we, so we, we, can, we can use these tools to, to refuse to let go, 
what I'm suggesting is that we sit, be still, cease striving, and come to know who we are as divine beings. And that's our show for today. We'll be back again next week. And remember, your job, should you choose to accept it, is to give birth to yourself. Thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We'll talk again next week. 